I think there can be an emphasis on people going like, if you're not feeling very well, you reach out for help. Mm. Well, actually, why isn't it the other way around? Why aren't you yeah. the person that's in the right state of mind goes, actually, that person's not quite right. I'm going to go and reach out and find out if they are okay and start that conversation. In 1837, Horace Mann created the education system, a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors. The same system that is still being used today in the 21st century. Now, man's system is backfiring. We are being molded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years. That system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills. This isn't our teacher's fault. This isn't the government's fault. This is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances. And us Gen Zs are caught in the middle. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast, the podcast for stressed, overwhelmed young Australians, teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. Today is another episode all around mental health for young people, how it is so prominent and how we can deal with it. I am joined by Andrew Woodhead, a product manager currently working at Batir, a for-purpose preventative mental health organization created and driven by young people for young people. He is also the author of a beautifully illustrated short story book called Light. This book explains how depression can take hold, what it feels like, and presents proven strategies that anyone can try, learn, and practice to improve their mental health. Woody and I have a great conversation all along this theme and dive deep into some stories I have heard about kids in school. How I think mental health has become way too normalized with young people to the point it can actually be detrimental. And Woody shares his experiences and practical tips we can use today to help those around us. This is a super important topic. Mental health is at an all-time high right now for our generation, and it is crazy the stories I'm hearing from boys and girls in high school. As per usual, if you get any value from this episode or from the show in general, please consider leaving a review on Apple or Spotify. It only takes you two minutes, and it really, really helps me and the show reach more people. Let me know what you think of this episode, and don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Woody on Instagram. The links are below. Now, over to Woody. Woody, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Byron. Good to be here. Super excited to chat about um, kind of getting into mental health and get into you know a pretty serious conversation, but a very important conversation. Um, but before we do, I'd love to know a little bit about your story, kind of what you did after high school and what you're currently up to. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'll go from being an adult, I guess. So I went yep. to university, um, got a degree in computer science and management. Um, as you can probably tell from the accent, I'm not from Australia. Yeah. Originally from Yorkshire in England. Um, and yeah, so I did my degree in that. Um, I then went to work in London, followed everyone's dreams and hopes of going to the big smoke. Yeah. Um, and I basically started my career working in IT consultancies. So it started off quite broad, um, hardware, software, infrastructure, and then moved more into the web world. Um, and so I did um, a job that took websites and mobile phone apps from end to end. And then I sort of started to specialize in user experience. Um, and then I decided in 2016 that I wanted to uh, drop all that and go traveling. So came to Australia, um, big fan of cricket, so I wanted to come play cricket over here. Um, and then, uh, yes, I had a job in Australia, uh, in Sydney, for almost three years. And you then, didn't go Bondi, did you? No, I didn't. Uh, every... <laughs> I did go the classic up north, and I did go okay, to yeah. Uh, Manly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a stereotypical pom in that sense. Because, man, everyone I meet from Bondi are all from London or all from England. Just yeah. Like, tour, tourists <laughs> yeah. are all like, oh, come to Bondi. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It still has that name, I think. It, yeah, uh, yeah, it does. It attracts people big time. 
Um, so yeah, and then um, I've had my challenges with anxiety and depression. Um, one when I left university and then a second uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and then I decided it was time to give back, I guess. So I, I applied for a job at Batir, uh, which is a young person's preventative mental health org, mm-hmm. um, to work as a product manager on their first digital product. Um, so I joined them in December last year, and then I've been working on a project with them ever since. Um, and we're close to building and releasing um, our minimum viable product nice. of our yeah. Yeah, mobile phone app. We've spoken about that on the uh, on the podcast, minimal, Minimum Viable Product, which is yeah. basically what's the minimum version of something we can get out there and just test it to make sure that it's worth you know improving yeah exactly Otherwise, if we get it out there and no one likes it then there's no point in putting a million dollars or whatever we want into it yeah exactly so it's an important concept but i like how um you got your computer engineering skills and then you went okay i've i've suffered from this anxiety and mental health disorder and i love to be you know be able to help other people who are going through this but i've got computer skills so how can i help that but you've still found a way so you found the company which provided, and so now you're the best of both worlds. You're using your skills and you're doing something that is, you know, meaningful. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I felt super lu- lucky when that job came up because it was exactly that. Um, the, the, like, yeah, my background and my skills, um, I'm wanting to apply them. I, I couldn't think of a better cause at the moment. Obviously, it's close to my heart because I've been through it. Um, and I do want to help people with it. So mm-hmm. um, I feel super fortunate that this uh, opportunity came up. Yeah, awesome. And so tell us a little bit about like what anxiety and what those times were like for you. Like how old were you? Were you so you've obviously you've moved, moved countries, so you don't have that support of your family kind of around you. Would you feel lonely? Like what was going on in your brain? Yeah, sure. Those, those so times? there's kind of two experiences I'd draw on. Uh, the first one was when I left university um, and, and went down to London. So really my country boy at heart. And when I went down to London, it was just like so many people, everything moving a million mm. miles an hour. It was my first job out of university. And it was there was like two or three things that just built up. And I, I just, I guess, just combusted and just exploded a little bit. So um, I was struggling to cope with a new job because I didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing. I was in a big city where I didn't know my way around. It was like a big commute on the tube which is like super stressful for Mm. someone that's normally just like in a car and just bumble along um and then um also at the time i was questioning my relationship with my girlfriend so those three things i think just triggered it Mm. um and then i I think my my head just went into overdrive and it it was almost like i'd hit like the fight or flight uh, button and um I just wanted to run away, basically. Yeah. And my head started to race and just, like, hit in panic mode, basically. So I remember, like, going back home for Christmas um, and just being, in, just, like, really unwell, basically. Um, and I was super fortunate because my mum was there for me and she got me um, to go along to see the doctors. And then so I kind of went through the process of... Um, going to see a psychiatrist and a combination of those appointments with some medication helped me get back on the straight and narrow. Um, and yeah, kind of that period only lasted like three to six months. And then I seemed to like find my, my path. Mm. Um, and then it fell off again a little, a couple of years ago. Um, it was yeah, being away from home, a long way from being home. Um, and my grandpa was unwell. Um, and then, like, my visa situation was uncertain as well. So, yeah. like, lots of areas and uncertainty and, like, a, should I stay, should I go, what am I doing? And then that just speeded up my mind and just 
just struggled. Mm. Like, and then it all knocks on, like, not able to sleep as well as you can do. Which makes it worse and worse. Yeah. And then you lose focus. Yeah. And so it just kind of compounds or snowball effect almost. Exactly. It's almost like that vicious cycle that you get in. And it's like, how do you then break it? Yeah. And yeah. so you broke it through seeing someone and some medication. So you, is that something you like to recommend to people who are suffering from what you're suffering? Yeah, I think, well, I think the first step is to like reach out for, for help to anyone, um, like you, your family or your immediate friendship group and have that conversation. That's mm. like the step one. Um, and then you can see if you can work through it with the, with the support of people in your network. But if it gets too much, then you should go to your, your local GP mm. and then get help. I think they do say that like the most um, successful outcome is when you combine medication with um, like psychological support. Um, so for me, it certainly helped. I was I was very fortunate in the fact that I got a psychologist that worked well for me. Yes, um, because but- I, I know that's quite can often you know, a lot of people have gone to see psychologists or therapists and they hated them yeah or, and it just and you know it just didn't even help at all because they didn't enjoy being with them so they yeah. just dreaded it it was like almost like you know they had to go to the appointment instead of wanting to go to the appointment yeah that's right you've i think you've got to find that fit but i think the other thing that's that's quite bad about this the the system in a way at the moment um and like some advice i would definitely give to people would be um, and this is an experience I had in Australia was like I was referred to a psychologist um, and when I rang up it was like oh, I won't be able to see you for four to six weeks because mm. I've got to honour my um, uh, relationship with my existing clients um, so like, if someone's in need and they told it's four to six weeks then that's not good enough so it's a long time it's a long time especially when you're struggling so fortunately enough i had that first experience to go and i phoned the gp back and went i can't get into four to six weeks what do i do so i was then referred to a group of psychologists a practice mm. um, and then i just put myself on a uh, on the wait list and by nature of it being mental health people drop out or like are not as reliable right, and yeah. so like, if i was saying if if my one bit of advice would be to anyone that wants to go see a psychologist but is struggling to get in there in a good period of time put your name on the wait list and then they'll ring and you will probably have an um a session within one to two weeks yeah right yeah and so it's just get out there because a lot of people drop out so and people don't even think that they think it might be you know four five six weeks but if you put your name on yeah. it's more likely to be one or two yeah you're in the game exactly yeah. right it's a little cheat yeah it's a little cheat yeah it's a really useful cheat as well like i only found out about it by pure fluke i guess mm. um but yeah Definitely. And I'd love to know, because I kind of want to bring something up that was, I've actually been talking about this a little, quite a bit lately, because I've been, just by nature, because my target audience I, you know, is kind of 15 to 22, so I like, whenever I meet someone who's in that age bracket, I love to just talk to them and see what's going on at school, just yeah. to get it, understand what's happening. Because, you know, I only graduated four years ago, but school has changed a bit since then with the culture. And I was talking to a girl, and she was saying that she basically feels left out of her friend group because she's the only one who doesn't have mental health problems. Wow. And so, like, all her friends have mental health problems and they talk about it in such a normalised way. Like, the same way adults would complain about Trump or the government or something, that's, that's the way kids are complaining about their therapists. Yeah. And so because she doesn't have a therapist, she's, like, she's feeling left out and it's also exhausting for her because it's all this negative energy constantly bringing her down. Yeah. And I was like, wow. that. And, you know, her friends are in and out of hospital. Friends are often, a lot of them are on antidepressants. Yeah. And these are, like, 17-year-old girls or yeah. 18-year-old girls. And so it's just become so normalized. Like, are you seeing this with Batir and your company? Like, you, do you feel like this company is now more important than it's ever, you know, been? Um, f- for sure. Um, Why? Well, I, I think... 
There's a couple of things I would talk about. The first one is that, um, so we believe in a, in a classroom of 30 students that there's like at least seven people struggling with mental ill I'd health. I'd say higher, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I'd say and that, Yeah, when I speak to people about that, they say exactly say that. Yeah. And um, it's only a few of them that actually reach out for help anyway. Mm. So um, I'd say it's positive that people are, that young people are like speaking to therapists and, and trying to deal with it. Um, an interesting one for me is um, uh, my doctor said this and i thought this is really an interesting way like this whole world that we've manifested at the moment through technology is like completely different to other generations completely. so like for him it was like you would go to work you'd do your job and then you'd go home and then you'd socialize with people that you know and that you like mm. and you wouldn't have that social comparison mm. and i think that's a big problem with like tech at the moment is you're like you're trying to compare yourself to something that's not reality yeah and if you look at we spoke about this in a previous episode with brent he was saying that um the four largest causes of mental health for younger people were like underage drugs underage sex um underage smoking and there was a fourth one but i forget it but it made sense i was like okay yeah that and he said in the past 10 years that's actually dropped by 50 percent yeah underage you know sex drug smoking yeah but in the same time mental health has doubled or gone up by 50 percent yeah and it's like well what, what is it i mean we think it's the phone it's social media it's comparison yeah it's not the phone to say but it's what the phone the vehicle the phone's a vehicle to so many different things yeah exactly. which is as you mentioned comparison and you know you got you, you used to go to work you'd have your work friends and then you go home and shut off or you go home and then you hang out with the people you like exactly. there is no shutting off now it's 24 7 that's right yeah um but we're, like we're making a concerted effort to join that game so at the moment we run run workshops um and school programs and we get a young person with lived experience to go into the school and to tell their story about how they've challenged been challenged from a mental mm. health perspective and then what they've done to overcome it um and we have a program called the Being Heard Workshop where we, we get young people together and it's a two-day workshop and you learn to tell your story. Mm. Um, and it's um, the main drivers to do that are to, like, um, when we go into the schools, increase help-seeking behaviour and to normalise the conversation around um, mental health. And now we're, we're building a digital storytelling platform so you can have a voice. Mm. And the hope, the hope is with that we'll get insights which we can hand to the Department of, uh, Department of Health um, service providers, like reach out headspace and then they can learn from these stories and and be more in touch with what's going on Mm. so those conversations that um the the girl that you spoke to about like we'd be getting that yes on on a device and we'd be able to do something with it yeah that's what we hope to achieve that'd be amazing another story just to kind of drive this point was i was talking to another girl i think she's year 11 so just turn year 12 right yeah which means she's 16 17 and a girl actually recently killed herself at their school and she jumped off a cliff. Yeah. And, you know, when they announced the assembly, you know, for the next two or three days, there were so many Instagram posts of people going to that cliff spot and taking a photo and uploading it to pay their respects, but they barely even knew her. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, like, people that, you know, whether you want to say it or not, they wanted, you know, the attention and they just wanted to, you know, feel like they were a good person when it's like, if you barely even spoke to her or barely knew her, you don't need to be going up there and making a big emotional post about her. It's like you never even spoke to her. Yeah. It's the same with, like, funerals. My um, my brother actually had a mate kill himself uh, earlier this year or last year. Hundreds of people at the funeral. Yet he killed himself because he didn't feel like he felt like he had no one. Yeah. Because all his school friends who he hasn't spoken to in three years came along. And my brother, who was actually one of the few people that was actually close with him, was kind of going, who are all these people? Like, he didn't care about any of these people. Yeah. And it almost feels like a disconnect. And it's just such a, like, crazy thing that's happening, which I'm sure you're, you're probably seeing. So being able to see those conversations will be 
yeah really powerful and people can share their stories and this is what we were kind of saying it's like tiktok almost for mental health stories yeah like the app the app layout is it'll be a video with someone's story and you can just keep flicking through and see what other people are going through and how they handle it which yeah that's be really right. cool i love it yeah 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 no we're super excited and we really want to encourage creativity with this too we don't just want it to be videos we want it to be like artwork we want to do podcasts we want to get music in there mm. like there's so many different ways in which young people can be creative and express themselves so we're hoping with our new product that we'll be able to do that and really yeah really get it out there and get young people using a, a platform in a positive way yeah. so they're not necessarily going to a cliff and taking a photo which actually doesn't mean anything to them yeah um and one thing we are doing with it as well which will be really interesting is we're going to moderate all the content that comes in mm. um so it'll be that'll be great because we'll be able to put all positive content on there well like obviously there'll be like some negative components to stuff because that like it'll be about stories with people that have had men- Ill, of mental course. health yeah yeah um but it's not it's it'll be all mature content yeah absolutely it won't be like you know immature no. like making fun of people sort of no 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 it will and it will will interlace it with like fun facts and things like that so to keep it yeah keep it interesting and mm-hmm. um the great thing as well is we'll be able to like talk about anything on the spectrum it could be like covid19 how's that affected people or how do people with bipolar survive and get on with things in their life and help manage their state of mm. mind like there's lots of lots of different opportunities with it so it's cool yeah no it's super exciting and it's so good that we'd be using an app um in a positive way as opposed to an app that enriches us instead of an app that makes us feel like crap yeah because i see a lot of stuff like even when i post that content i see other people make post content about saying kids you need to get off your phones and stuff yeah and people in the comments will be like my phone is the only time i'm happy or they'll say all this stuff and they're like um that they completely disagree and i'm like yeah you're not you don't realize what the phone is actually doing to you yeah like yeah you might be if you're just playing a game sure but if you're on social media you'll be having fun for now but that compounds when you're on social media you know for a thousand hours every year yeah and then that actually goes and you know subconsciously into your brain which people aren't really realizing over the the long-term effects and we're starting to see that with you know, people who've grown up with social media since they were ten years old, we're starting to see the mental health effects that it's having from the people like I kinda of mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well I think like you do get a dopamine hit when you you're using 100%. your phone and there, there there is like so many clever hooks to keep people like engaged mm-hmm. with it. Um You've seen the social dilemma, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the if anyone who hasn't seen the social dilemma, like the it's it's quite good, but the thing I really like was how they made the visual representation of the phone. And they had like these three guys who were like pretending to be the AI. Yeah. And they were just like, he's in touch with his phone in one day. Let's send him a message from his ex girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Or let's send him a notification that his ex girlfriend just liked someone's photo or something. Yeah. It's like really dark and manipulative. But that's exactly what you just said. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, I do think, though, that there is an element of, um, and I know like phones are addictive and they're like so powerful and useful for a multitude of reasons. But there's definitely a need as well to disconnect from that and learn to be mindful. Yeah. And like, if people keep going with all this continuous technology, like the concentration spans will go and you'll become like just so reliant on technology yeah. and your your mind just won't function to the best of its ability. We've so, gone for like 30 minutes to seven seconds or something. Yeah. Our concentration span. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in marketing and video marketing is like Facebook ads. And like one of the rules is when you're doing a video ad, it's got to be three se- first three seconds has to be engaging. Yeah. It's on TikTok. It's the first half a second to one second. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? And so that's like the point we're getting to. Yeah. Where it's like we just you know you need that hit. Otherwise, if we if you don't have our attention in the first second, we're not going to keep watching. Yeah, totally. And everyone you know agrees with this. I see. And it, you know 
I'm sure, I don't know if you struggle to watch movies now, but so many people struggle to watch movies without having their phone near them. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, I th- I, for me, I, I'm trying to practice um, like not going down that route. So if I watch a movie, I turn my phone upside down, like, albeit it is within reaching uh, distance. But um, I think... like. I think on a scale there's like the, there's like early intervention to prevention to crisis support and like where we operate is at the start of that process mm. and I think it I think technology can be useful for that and it, it can be powerful but so too, so too can being in nature exercising mm. I, I'm a big fan of meditation eating properly these are all principles that we still need to give attention to mm. like we do need to eat properly still yeah, even though there's loads of fast food available. And, you know, was, I think, oh, who was I talking to recently? Someone asked me what my thoughts were on, like, um, on medication for mental health. And it was like, I think the problem with a lot of medication is that people will just rely on that. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got medication, now I'm going to be fine again. It's like, medication will help, but you need to be going outside. You need to be trying to connect with people. You need to be eating well for your body and stuff. Like, there's multiple things that will help you, you know, your mental clarity, so to speak. I think I, the founder... You know, you listen to the episode of Are You yeah. Okay Day. He said, "They've, you know, it's been proven that a thirty-minute walk in the bush or just a thirty-minute walk will do the same as an antidepressant pill." Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is I'm, crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all over that stuff. I think it's like so, so important. Mm. Um, people shouldn't neglect that either. Like, I think exercise and all that sort of stuff's more important than ever before, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the other thing as well is awareness, right? Like, if you're aware that you're spending maybe too much time on your phone, when you're aware of something, you can then do something about it. Mm. So if you're aware and you're not really going out and doing the exercises, then maybe there's this this is the this podcast could be the like little thing to go. Actually, do you know what? I do need to go for yeah. a walk thirty minutes. Like, there's evidence to suggest that it does does well for my body and mind. Mm. So like we need to focus on that sort of stuff and like your content as well about being driven by young people like young people still need to champion that sort of stuff yeah um and we shouldn't forget that and we need to listen to their voices and act on their voices so if there are things that they can do to encourage people to behave in that way then we need to listen to that and and try create a society that that does something about it otherwise we will just start leaning more and more and then i would say like uh depression and anxiety will keep on rising if we don't try and tackle it and it's huge. Yeah. Every, I mean, it's hard to know this generation because they joke about it nonstop. And yeah. when I say they, I mean me as well. Like, I mean, someone will be like, oh, I'm depressed. Or they'll say like, oh, I've got, I've got anxiety about going out tonight or something. And it's like, we don't know if they're actually diagnosed with anxiety or if they've just got yeah. a mild form or they're just taking the piss. Yeah. It's hard to know because it's become so normalized to joke about it. Yeah. And that kind of dark humor sort of thing. Yeah. Which on one hand, I think it's good that people have the self-awareness to joke about it. Yeah. But on the other side, it's like... I don't know who's serious. I don't know like what's going on because by the by the way it sounds like everyone's got depression. All yeah. Gen Zs have depression. The way they joke about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a really interesting one for me. Is that because from the research we've done at Batia, um, we when we spoke to all the young people that we, we did as part of our, like our co design process, um, we learned that a lot of young people um, are aware of mental ill health but they don't necessarily have the language to deal with it. Mm. So, like, the fact that they're actually, like, have dark humor and throwing it away, it's probably because they're not educated in the first place. They're not actually aware of what anxiety and depression is or, or what it's like on a spectrum and where they sit on that spectrum. Mm. And therefore, they're now aware of what that word is, but they don't really know the details of what it what it is or how it manifests itself. Mm. So I think there's a job on us as a society to educate them so they are aware of what that word means in its truest form and then what they can do about it 
Yeah. Um, so it is great that more and more conversations are happening, but we need to teach people how to articulate what they are really thinking and feeling. Yeah, and it's important. I think we said that uh, is understanding it's a spectrum. Yeah, it's not I have depression or I don't. Although it kind of is that, but it's more like how treating it more like a spectrum. Yeah, it's understanding that you might not have depression as diagnosed by a doctor, but you could still be, you know, close to it and not be doing very well and still struggle to get out of bed and that sort of stuff. And so I think that's really important that first we understand that. But I guess secondly, did you want to explain to us what anxiety and what depression actually is? If you're, if you're saying we, we don't, you don't think we have a clear understanding of kind of what it is, because I'm not even sure I do. Yeah. So. Um, well, I think that's an important point in itself, right? It's unique to everyone, though. Mm. So I, I, I can, and there will be like clinical terms and definitions yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, for me, anxiety... Um, as a physical manifestation would be like I hold my breath if I'm anxious mm. or my stomach can drop. And these are the things that I notice that would lead me to f say that I'm feeling anxious. Depression, I think, is another level above that. Mm. So I think that's when you're starting to... For me, it's when you like trigger your fight and flight mode and you're doing that all the time and then your head's starting to race and then you're actually like losing control of your mind and what you can do with it. Sounds and then, like a lot of overwhelm. Yeah, exactly. So that's how I, that's how I feel those different types of um, emotions or characteristics or however you want to phrase them. Um, but yeah, I think like being in school, mental health needs to become a, a module at school. 100% it um, does. And then these things are then brought up. So it can be like a textbook version of what anxiety is or what depression is. Mm. But it can also be an open conversation as a group in a grown-up fashion to go, well, what does it feel like for you? And then there's like this combined understanding. You've got a classroom of people that have all got a voice that all can hear. And if they don't feel like talking about it, then that's fine. That's when there's just other avenues to go down. Like you've created the space. Yeah, if exactly. If you're in a space where everyone's talking about it and you're still not comfortable talking about it, at least you know that it's now not taboo and it's normal to talk about so you might go home and talk to your parents or you might go home and maybe research or something so you're creating the space where it's safe. exactly yeah and even in that case like say you're in a classroom right and you can't you you don't feel comfortable telling the teacher or contributing to the conversation if there's assignment that says like let's let's write about and you can even like do that in your own room in your own privacy write down what anxiety and depression is for you or how you're feeling and then at least then that the, when you hand it into the teacher they're they're aware of you and they can actually reach out and support yeah. you it blows my mind that school is still focusing on these subjects that don't really matter, but they're neglecting their students' mental health. And so yeah. who cares about getting an A? Who cares about maths or science or even English if your kids have mental health problems and they're not even happy? Like, that should be the very first priority. And it's huge. Yeah. And, you know, these are the years where they're in high school and their brains are developing. They're arguably the most important years of their life in terms of learning. Yeah. Yet we're just, you know, school doesn't give us any access to that the only access you get is maybe through like a company like you or a third party that comes in yeah and you get like half a day with the max yeah and it's just crazy it's blowing my mind yeah i agree i think there is a lot of value in what you can learn from like english and maths and things like that but but definitely mental health needs to be mm. more on the radar yeah um Petir do a great job of going in there and networking and and getting in front of um classrooms and our like results are really good like 
the number of people that reach out for support off the back of our programs is like rising significantly which is great um and we are having positive conversations we do an exercise which is really cool whereby we get the room to write down what they think the words are for that relate to mental health um which could be like the negative words if you if you like um depressed anxious like mm. um and then when we go through the workshop we then get this young person with lived experience up and on like telling their story and then at the end of it we ask them what what do, what are the words that relate to mental health now and mm. it'd be like resilience hope determination grit all these things so you can educate a classroom and you can shift that perspective and that dial um so i think you're right i think the department of education really needs to think about how they can get that on the curriculum and yeah. and standardize it too and also understand that if you can improve people's mental health that's going to improve the results in all the other subjects yeah totally like let's even let's say if you want to get better results in english math and science or whatever i would say you could leave those the same and just focus on improving the mental health or giving them a better headspace and then that's going to naturally happen yeah totally and the same with like if people are being bullied or you know if there's bad toxic relationships in the year group and stuff if you yeah. can help if you can create a safe environment and talk about that sort of stuff and talk about mental health and stuff and people open up there's probably gonna be a far lot less of that yeah because i've been in environments where exactly the example you gave where people are kind of opening up and stuff and it's really cool yeah it's really beautiful yeah and it's like especially if you know it's a group of men or something where it's yeah. really taboo and uncommon like it's pretty rare you'd find a group of men or boys who would just sit there and open up about their mental health problems you know, it's yeah. a lot more likely that girls talk about that stuff which is great um, but men really struggle with it yeah right so and i've done that with like men's groups it's super powerful and yeah. so i think it'd be really cool if we were creating environments like that at school or even in uni groups or i don't know just somewhere yeah it's an interesting challenge as well though because like if you think about it the teachers at the moment are trying to deal with that as well. so like they're trying oh, to do their job of teaching not the teachers fault at all yeah no agreed so it's, it's like it's, i say it's the system yeah you know the teachers have to teach to what they are told to otherwise they'll get fired because <laughs> yeah. the kids won't pass and then blah, blah 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 yeah and i've put out content i've had teachers um comments saying we talk about this stuff all the time in the in in the staff rooms like we wish we could teach this and it's like okay yeah. so you know they're trapped in it just like the students are yeah exactly yeah so there should there there should be efforts and i think there are efforts but they could be stronger to address that for sure Mm. it's also like cooking skills as well like why is that not at school like there's so many people that know how to like cook these days it's like it's quite bizarre really oh i mean i could do i could do 10 podcast episodes on just this alone this sort of thing like emotional intelligence leadership communication yeah financial literacy basic economic understanding yeah. political understanding i don't know anything about politics yeah it's yeah like, same <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean you, i mean people are 30 and they've got no idea what politics and it's like i we just had a simple understanding <clears throat> but that's kind of going a little bit off topic yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah point is it shouldn't have to be a third party like the like the company coming in although it's great you guys are doing it it should be part of the curriculum i think yeah i agree maybe they can learn from what you guys are doing yeah, I hope so. Uh, we're always open to working or partnering with anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's also part of the solution, right? Like, people need to work collaboratively to achieve a good outcome. Mm. So, what, like, whether that's mental health organisations pairing together in that space, or whether it's pairing with the Department of Education, or 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 whatever it is, like having an open mind and an open heart to trying and experimenting with things is like. You're only going to succeed if you do that because mm. you'll you'll learn and then you know like we won't get it right first time but if you keep chipping away at it like we will as a society get mm. to that point where it, it, we can help the young people that are struggling. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, what do you think a solution is? Obviously, there's no one answer, but how do we try? And besides, like going to workshops and stuff, and how do we create environments for ourselves? Or how do we 
try and reduce the amount of mental health that's going around for the younger generation right now? Yeah, so I think um, I think we as a society need to uh, take ownership and responsibility for it. So like, there's a you know there's a healthcare professionals which who do an amazing job, but it's the everyday Joe on the street that needs to learn. Mm. They need to make a concerted effort to learn about these things they need to understand how to start a conversation how to have a conversation what they do with that conversation what the help resources are that are available i think all these things are super important um and it's it's the ripple effect right it's and like now i love this analogy um look at covid right if one person has the infection and they walk around and they give 10 people and that 10 people then go and give mm. it imagine if you've got that for mental health so that one person is armed and ready and they know how to start a conversation they know what they need to ask and probe and the information they need to receive to like make a judgment call as to what they need to get how they need to get help and where they can go and then they like impart that knowledge on loads of different other people and then the ripple effect you've all, all of a sudden got a society whereby um conversations can happen they know how to have them young people know how to respond to them mm. um and then as a as a society we can address it and we can help each, each other because mm. that's what it goes back to right like we're all we all want to be connected. We all want to be part of a community. So if we can foster a community that works together and helps one another and has those conversations, then that that then starts to address the issue. Absolutely. And I, yeah. And I think, you know, there's people in re- positions of responsibility that need to do their job. You, you know, we've talked about teachers and healthcare professionals, but it's the, it's the others that need to have, like, those on a building site need to know just as much as the person in the bank or whatever that like everyone's human Mm. everyone has their own mental health everyone has their own physical health and they'll be in different places but let's talk about it yeah and it's it's funny you mentioned um the word connection there because i think even though we're in a world that's never been more connected we've never been more disconnected yeah in terms of like real connections yeah i think that's really the word there is real connections like young people really struggle to have real connections and deep connections they've got thousands of you know bullshit connections with x and x or whoever that girl that they you know worry is going to judge them or whatever yeah but they really don't have proper strong relationships and like that's that's where i was I, I haven't suffered from mental health but i've had some low points and the lowest points were when i didn't have people around me yeah that's me personally yeah because i'm quite extroverted yeah. but i know a lot of people relate to that they're not having those strong relationships around them and so i think a big part of it is what you just said you know people connecting with one another it's like and it's just kind of coming back to being human yeah totally you know? like we just need to connect connect with more people yeah. and have conversations with no hidden agenda like you know have a conversation with someone and you're not trying to get a job from them you're not trying to get them in bed or you date them or whatever just have yeah. a conversation with them yeah totally and i think the responsibility also needs to shift as well right like you need to become more um uh aware of what's going on in other people's lives and be, be a bit more perceptive mm. so like i think there can be an emphasis on people going like if you're not feeling very well you reach out for help mm. well actually why isn't it the other way around why aren't yeah. you the person that's in the right state of mind goes actually that person's not quite right i'm gonna go and reach out and find out if they are okay and start that conversation which so is then, all, are you, you okay day yeah exactly mm. and then you're attacking it from both ends right and you'll 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 get to the sort root of the problem and like problem shared is a problem halved right yeah yeah and, and um and so what would you say are some practical takeaways that people can do if they made it this far into the podcast they're obviously quite interested in stuff and like let's say we run a scenario yeah i or the listener has a friend who they notice is a little bit down yeah like what should they do um well i think and they suspect that he might be suffering from anxiety or you know y- a bit of depression or something yeah i think well i think the first one is to assess um 
where they are and how they're connected to you. So like, if you're in the classroom with them, then you need to know that conversations like that aren't to be had in a classroom or mm. in a playground. Environment. Environment is important. Is important. So I think um, finding a, a quiet place where it's just the two of you um, to have a, like, to connect on a physical level um, as a first pass if you can. If, but if you can't, then using technology to just, even just ask the question, send a text saying, are you okay? Mm. Or like, Maybe say that you've um, noticed something that doesn't quite fit right, and because you care and love for them, that you want to you want to know and you want to help. Mm. Like, and I think the thing is, like, a lot of people in the world do want to help each other. Hundred percent. So, like, you know, just having like a couple of one-liners to understand to to ask the question is super valuable. Yeah, there was uh, I had a guy on the show who. He's got a whole company and they do like expert kind of networkers sort of thing. And when an exercise they run is I'll just um, – I did it. we did a table and he'd get out your phone. He says, find five numbers you wouldn't normally text. So it can't be like your mum or someone close to you. And he'd get out your phone and say, hey, hope you have a really great day. That's it. No yeah. hidden intention. You're, gonna, you're going, going in with the expectation they're not going to respond. Yeah. So you can't be disappointed. And people will make land clients through that. They'll have someone reach out and just be like, oh, thanks so much for reaching out. And then they'll have a chat and they'll become a client. Yeah. And it's just like off a message that meant nothing. And if you do that, you know, three times every day, yeah, it's just being human, the sort of thing. And you've, the important thing is to have no hidden agenda. That you're not yeah, trying to convert right. them into a client. You're not trying to, you know, as I mentioned, get them in bed or you're not trying to seduce them or whatever. Yeah. You're just saying, you're hey, trying to be genuine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree. But I also think as well, like when you're having that conversation, you need to warm it up too. Mm. So it can't just be like, that conversation like yeah. are you okay like straight into like you seem depressed you know mm. it needs to be more subtle and and so you know it could be like hey how are you going and then it might be yeah i'm all right and like okay you might not be as all right as you yeah. maybe think like i've noticed oh, I saw what happened the other day yeah like, are you all right so, yeah. yeah i'm all right and like, are you sure because you know i'm always here to talk so exactly yeah. perfect um and then I think the the great thing with that is then there's like two of you in the battle, if you like. So if someone is down and struggling, then it's not just you fighting on your own. Mm. You're actually with with someone that cares for you and that's going to mm. hopefully support you throughout the process. It's also understanding that like, are you okay? And how's your day? Are kind of like rubbish sentences. Yeah. It's like, how's your day? Good. They could have just had their grandma die or something and they'll probably say good anyway. Yeah. They're not going to just be like, oh, my grandma died because that's a pretty heavy or something. Yeah. Like, Everyone's going to say good. You pretty much all the time. They'll just say good. How did I? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. And same with um. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. You've got to go further. No one. I, if you said are you okay to someone, I think it's unlikely unless you're quite close. It's just going to open up just like yeah. that. Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, you kind of if you sit down and say are you okay? Oh, I saw what happened the other day. Oh, you know how how you feel about that and try you know I guess peel back the layers slowly. Yeah. So that they feel comfortable, and then it also links back to even if we go to a selfish reason like. If you help them, they might help you in the future. Yeah, sort of thing. So we talk about this thing called the thousand doors concept. So if you if you see someone, you know, and you help them, you know, you now feel like a better person. And maybe in a year's time, you know, after they've gone out of it, they'll be able to help you back or something, and you've established a nice relationship. Yeah. So even for a purely selfish reason, yeah, like there are beneficial it reasons. Comes around, yeah, for sure. And like everyone, like life is is tough, right? It's it's a roller coaster at times, and things happen that you just don't expect, and so. I, th- I think it does come around like everyone in the world will go through a, a period of difficulty mm. in both of their mis- uh, mental and physical health so I think it's only right and fair that um, you provide support when you're on the up when someone else might not be on the up because mm. you can you can bet your bottom dollar that 
push comes to shove in a, a few months' time or a couple of years' time, you might be in that situation. You might even not foresee it, right? So you might lose someone um, like through through an accident or who knows what oh, yeah. might happen. Life's like, unpredictable. Unpredictable, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think it's important to to bear that in mind when you're mm. when you're thinking or having these types of conversations. A principle that um, I, we speak about quite a bit, and I love it so much, and I thought I'd just bring it up now because I feel like it's quite relevant. Um, it's called the slingshot method. Yeah. So it's basically where, um, so for the listeners, if you imagine a slingshot, you know, the further back you pull it, the more energy and the further it'll go. So I pull yeah. it back here, it'll probably just fall. But if I pull it all the way back here and shoot. And so we say that with like negative energy. Say, for example, COVID-19 hit, hits me. I lost a bunch of my clients. I had all that negative energy. Yeah. And the way we say is you can actually slingshot it back around and turn it back around. And my whole life, I feel like I've done this. So for the COVID example, I lost... You know, I went from like eight clients to one client, which means I had to move home. I had to move out of my apartment. I had to cut costs and everything, and it sucked. And I had that ne- negative energy going back. Yeah. But then um, I started a TikTok account, and I started some other stuff, and I got JobKeeper, and it launched it back. And now I'm actually in a better spot than I was when I started. Yeah, awesome. And so I think it's a really cool mindset to have. Same with um, um, when I was a kid, and, and my house burned down when I was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, that's a whole story in itself. But basically, we didn't have a home for like three years. We were just renting in different places. But that led me, us to move to Sydney. And the only reason I'm here is because of the opportunity that Sydney provided. Yeah. And so you can see a lot of these slingshots throughout my life. And most, most of you listening or yourself can probably yeah. think of a slingshot moment in your life. And I just love that mindset, like yeah. going in, understanding that you can turn a negative into a positive. Yeah, definitely. I think like you've, you've got to have the bad to appreciate the good. Yes. Um, and what you experience at the time might not feel like you can get out of it. So my book, Light, it might not feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel, but mm. there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And it's just a matter of time and working it out and, and trusting in yourself and the way in which you're going and drawing on your network to, to get where you need to go. Mm. Um, it's funny you say, um, or what did you say? You just said you need those negative experiences to appreciate the good ones. Yeah. Because I'm actually probably going to get on the show, not for months. Um, there's a guy called Eddie Jakku. He's a Holocaust survivor, yep. and his his book is the happiest man alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that exact reason, like he went through eight years of hell. Like he was in Auschwitz. Yeah. He lost his family. Experienced some horrific things, so horrific that he now anything that's you know happened yeah. since he's so appreciative of. Yeah. And I'm hoping to get him on the show, but probably not. That'd be February. amazing. I've seen him at TEDx. I think. Oh yeah, he's done yeah, a lot of yeah, TEDx. He's, he's huge. So good. He just yeah. turned 100 years old. Yeah. Um, but I just got a call from. Um, the Jewish Museum, which is where he works at, yeah. and he's in a retirement home. He's not allowed to see anyone for like oh, a while. So, that's a shame. Um, if I to get him in person, I have to wait until next year. Yeah, but it's that exact thing. We have to have those negative experiences to appreciate the bad ones. Yeah, totally. Or the good ones. Yeah, experience the bad to to realize the good. Mm. I think so. Yeah, awesome. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank but you. Before we wrap up, um, I'd love to just know what would your number one piece of advice be for the younger generation, like 15 to 22, going through high school, just entering the workforce sort of stuff. Doesn't have to be mental health related, but what would your number one piece of advice be for those people? That's a tricky question. It's very tricky, yeah. yeah. There's like heaps of things that go off in my head. Um, Feel free to list a few. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think stay connected physically with your friendship group, um, whether that's inside school or outside of school. I think being part of a community and a club is of significant value. Mm. Like whether that's like a sporting club or like an art or book club, whatever. 
right? Because that then allows you to be out there and engaging with society. Yeah. If there's one thing we know through COVID, right, is that we like want physical contact we want engagement 100%. we want to be part of a community we don't want to be cooped up in a room sure some people are introverted but <laughs> like the majority of us want to be out there and living and breathing it so make sure you create that environment um can i just add on that yeah because i love what you just said and the way i just say it is the system so the cool thing about clubs about church about that sort of stuff is it creates a system where it's you you meet up every single week there's yeah. no oh do you guys want to hang out this week it's just not every sunday you know, the family goes to church. Or every soc- every Saturday we play soccer together and yeah. then we get beers afterwards. Yeah. And so someone who finished school, um, high school, and all my friends went to uni and we all had part-time jobs, it's just chaos because you've got all these different schedules. And I went months without seeing my friends. Yeah. And so by joining clubs or, you know, finding a system that works, like something that's every week. I know guys who every Friday they'll go out to um, and get dinner at this club, not like a you know dancing club, but like... Uh, Restaurant, pub yeah, or something so, like that. Yeah. SRO, I forget what it's called. Um, but basically, they go out there every Friday. Yeah. So it's just easy. Yeah. And so I think it's so important that you join those sort of things and yeah. it just makes life a lot easier. Yeah, totally. Routine is the thing there, Routine right? is a good right, That's right, like right, really yeah. helpful. It gives you something to live for and look forward to. Yeah. Another thing that's hard about COVID, most people like to travel. Oh, and you yeah. haven't got the affordance to think about that. Um, so I think also another uh, program that we run at Batir is called Looking Out for Your Mates. And I think just like, you know, like look after yourself but also look after others as well mm. like show that caring and compassionate side because you might be in a fortunate position or you might so be an unfortunate position but like if you're open to the idea of having conversations and helping people then like you're a good human and mm. you'll you'll make a positive difference to to your friends and the society as a whole and understand that everybody has problems yeah like you know i think it's easy for us to kind of look at wealthier people yeah and you know you know burn the rich sort of stuff yeah it's like well they you know wealthy kids have problems you know everything's been handed to them which means no one respects them for anything they do yeah or maybe you know um whatever it is it's like everyone has problems yeah and so if you can remove that negative mindset just go how can i help yeah sort of stuff and then my last one would be uh don't believe everything you see on social media yeah like social media is fantastic and it, it can connect people and you can really sell the good things that you're doing but don't be fooled there's mm. always like another message underneath there you might see someone that they th- you think has the most perfect life but you can bet your bottom dollar they don't yeah um, especially if they're only showing the perfect yeah life that's not reality yeah we don't live in that that sort of environment well you know we're not we're not a computer either you can't just switch me to happiness yeah like there's a lot of contributing factors like things are changing and moving all the time so awesome i think that's a an important one too but woody thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for anyone who wants to find out more about patia about you about this app which i want to be heavily involved in so i'm sure i'll be promoting that and you know getting i'm going to be putting out heaps of content on there when it's live you know podcast content is perfect for that sort of stuff yeah um so i'm going to be you know having a lot of fun with that but for anyone interested, let's go to batia.com. Um, yeah, to so um, our app's going to be called Our Herd. Yeah. Um, so uh, go to ourherd.io, we'll be there. Um, me personally, I've uh, written a book um, called Light. Um, so you go to thefinchfoundation.com to buy a copy if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, batia.com is like the, the website that we have for our organization. So yeah. we're, we're responsible for the creation of the app called Our Herd. So. Yeah, and links will be in the bio below. Yeah. Otherwise, Woody, thank you so much for coming on the show. Nice one. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the Driven Young Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode. That means the world to me. And if you got some value out of it, please shoot me a message on Instagram or reach out to me. 
or I would love for you to leave a rating or review on this podcast. So make sure you are subscribed and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.